Great. Welcome, everyone. This Woo-hoo. is the Left Field Podcast. To the left, to the left. Jeez, I'm really sorry that we had to start out with that horrible... Um, rendition of Beyonce but um we are super excited oh, y'all know this is left field podcast we do all kinds of things like tell you how to get the greatest job you've ever heard of the ones you've never heard of because they are so far out in left field you just didn't know they existed um we're also going to give job. you the tools right that was last week uh or why you should leave your job was last week not exactly heal um but yeah y'all know we did the left field podcast so we're very excited because we have another guest. Woo! Applause! Applause! Woo! We have a guest today. Our guest is Miss Victoria Pfeiffer. Victoria, how you doing, girl? I'm great. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. Oh, we are so excited to finally talk to you. I have been trying to get you on the podcast <laughs> like pretty much since I met you and realized how amazing and bomb you were. Um, but you have been elusive. You have been ducking and dodging, well, but now I finally got you, girl. You locked me down. <laughs> so, um, a little bit about Victoria. Uh, Victoria is a public health analyst at the CDC. We work at the same place. Um, super passionate about health equity and building communities by addressing social determinants of health. She entered public health service, or yeah, entered public health service in 2015 uh, as a presidential management fellow. Which, just FYI, is. I would say the most prestigious fellowship that one can attain at the Centers for Disease cool. Control. So that is Fly super fashion. cool. Um, she knew that. She's just very humble and modest, you know, how they do. Um, so during her time at the agency, she's worked with senior leadership in Washington's office and down in, in D.C., um, the, the Office of the Associate Director for Policy, Epidemiology, Laboratory Services. She's worked everywhere. Um, and previously, she worked as a field organizer organizer in Ohio during the 2012 presidential election and uh, New Leaders Council in, uh, in Atlanta. She is part of that. She's an alumnus. Uh, the New Leaders Council, you know, I'm so into like all of these different types of opportunities and um, like leadership programs and all of that stuff that you can be a part of that I never heard of and New Leaders Council is one of them. So I really hope that we can talk about that. Um, she holds a master's degree in public health uh, and uh, health policy from Emory, another incredibly prestigious school uh, of public health, one of the top public health schools, if not the top, um, where she served as department representative. She earned her bachelor's degree of science from Howard, um, and she's a soror. I mean, we I should have started off with that because we started <laughs> I should have started <laughs> off with that. Um, so uh, she. She's a, a native of Ohio. She likes to listen oh, to the podcast. Oh, one, of which, <laughs> one of which yes. is um, Left Field Podcast Girl. So we thank you for listening. We thank you for being here. We're so excited to finally thank get you. talking to you. And um, actually, I met you, Victoria, through Lauren. Lauren knows sure everybody. Did. She has put me on so many people and connected me. So when she introduced me to you, I knew that you were super bomb. Because everybody that Lauren knows is like powerhouses. They're powerhouses in whatever kind of field they work in. And that is no different. You are no different. 
you just surround yourself with good people and victoria is great people you really are super great people so thank you i need to bottle y'all up and just have you as like my <laughs> you know my we've, woman hype team everywhere i go yes we're thinking of making an app you know where we can just like give you motivation throughout the day yes. no we're not i mean really we can be your dj Khaled. we can I be that your dj Khaled in my my bag <laughs> everywhere <laughs> Okay, so let's go ahead and get started. The people came here to hear about your job, girl. So tell us a little bit about what you do. You're a PMF fellow, a presidential management fellow. So tell us a little bit about what you do on a daily basis or kind of a a general idea. So the kids know. Yeah. Thanks. So my role as a public health analyst can mean many things, but essentially what I do um, in the policy team Um, in my center is making sure that policymakers and partners kind of know what our agency is doing in terms of surveillance and laboratory services, public health dissemination. We're a very, what we call cross-cutting center in the agency. CDC is a huge agency. Um, And unless you have people who understand how policy works promoting that work, your work kind of gets lost in the sauce. So um, a large part of my, my work day-to-day revolves around budgets and communicating with, with policymakers and partner organizations. So that seems kind of vague, but the more I've been in public service, the more I realize a lot of our work revolves around budgets, which sounds yes. very boring, but yes. it's so essential. Yeah, definitely. That's true. So um, you have been a PMF fellow since 2015, and you are coming up on your graduation. Yes. Okay. Yes, so, what what would you say you're gonna be, you're gonna stay in the same um, role as well, right? They're gonna take you on yes. as a full time employee. So, yes. did you know that you could be um, affecting public health and impacting public health change in the community, uh, or that affects the community by being a PMF fellow or by working in policy somehow? Like, did you know that this existed when you were in undergrad? Is this what you always wanted to do in your life? Like, what did you want to do when you went to, you know, get your bachelor's? No, I did not know that this position existed, that this particular field existed. Um, I knew I wanted to do something related to health, but uh this is not necessarily what I envisioned. What did you want to do when you went to school? Did you think that you would be a physician or work in healthcare in some other kind of way? Yeah, actually, Kristen, you and I have very, very similar paths. Definitely a friend of the pod. I've listened to like every episode. And so when you were sharing your story, it was like ministering to me. I was like, yes, yes, yes. yes, Every single point. I mean, we'll just start back 2007. Walk yes. down memory lane really yes. quick. Yes. So in high school, much like you, I thought I wanted to be a physician. I wanted to be a pediatrician specifically. Oh, um, and then I had an experience as well, shadowing some doctors, med students, nurses, PAs, a whole suite of, you know, healthcare professionals. Mm-hmm. But the day where I shadowed a health administrator was the day where I felt like I was most on fire, most lit up, most energized. And that's when I kind of realized, okay, maybe what I actually want to do isn't be in like the direct line of providing clinical care. I want to be at the decision-making table. Um, And so when I was applying to colleges, um, I found that there was a health administration degree. So that's what I studied in school. Mm -hmm. Um, I was a health admin major. Um, And my view then was like this whole concept of holistic healthcare. Mm -hmm. I really didn't have the words of, you know, the lexicon to kind of describe 
public health and mm-hmm. policy and upstream interventions and all the stuff we talk about in public health. We now. rarely do. Nobody ever knows what public health is mm-hmm. until they're like you know, stumbling into it. Was, like you, like I'll manage like a health clinic, like a federally qualified health center, yes. right? Yes. Um, I will, you know, make sure that everyone has access to care. Yes. And that was my view. <laughs> How many of, like, of us have this same narrative? Right. We're all going to save the world and make mm-hmm. sure everyone has access to quality health care. But um, much like you, the ACA was being developed. And so I saw that there was more of a future in policy. And so I knew in our field that I would have to go back to school and get an advanced degree. Yeah. Um, but when I went back, I wasn't probably going to go and focus on management administration. I was going to have a policy track because I kind of saw that as the way of the future. Um, and I'm sorry, I might have missed that. What put you, what switched you from being a leader of an FQHC and, you know, possibly doing, you know, something like that to policy? Where did, when did you get the idea about policy or how? Yeah. So seeing that the decisions are made with policy um, was kind of what made me think, can I really affect change from a management level? Mm hmm. Your your role is limited there because you have to follow the policies and regulations set by policymakers. So, you know, if Congress says this is what FQHCs have to abide by, I can't say, well, no, our FQHC is going to do this. Like, you're bound by those rules and standards. Yes. So, for me, policy seemed like the answer where you could do the most good for most people. Got it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So here you are, you realize that you want to focus on policy. Now, what do you do? What are your goals? What are you, what are you doing? Are you floating in the air? Like, do you know exactly what your path is? Or are you just like, hey, policy, I'm here. Mm -hmm. Didn't know how to get connected with policy whatsoever. So while I was in school, I interned, I think for about three years at the local health department. And I was doing more so of health, like health education. So I was in schools talking to kids about, you know, violence and reproductive health and all other also kinds a of common topics. narrative very common yeah um, who hasn't done some community okay yeah. okay not directly policy related mm-hmm. um graduated and i worked for a nonprofit for mm-hmm. almost a year um it was kind of in the health space it was a nonprofit that provided transitional housing for homeless women with HIV and AIDS. And I actually lived in the home with those women. Wow. That's interesting. What yeah. made, uh, what do you think made them hire you? You're a person that has a public health background and now you're going into transitional housing. What do you think was the link there between your um, public health for the kids who uh, aren't in public to health? To be completely honest, I think it had very little to do with like my health background and knowledge and also like our degree and more so to do with the fact that um, an organization that I was president of, uh, Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated, mm-hmm. we were a partner of that organization. So they knew me, they knew our organization, we were a sponsor of theirs. Um, I expressed an interest at a point by saying, you know, I'm really interested in the work of this organization, your mission, you know, and you know, graduating soon. Um, are there opportunities here? essentially and wow a few rounds well, of I was not later. expecting you to say that at all I thought you were going to yeah. say well you know public health um social you know you know health disparities you know it relates to the women who are in transitional housing no girl basically you're saying that through your relationships that you made through a totally separate entity you didn't get in mm-hmm. well I mean 
maybe you thought of it as part of being a Delta, but you didn't become a Delta so that you could figure out how to intern at an organization and let it project you in your career. So something that you were a part of that you had already built a relationship um, with that executive director or CEO, whoever they happen to be, Mm -hmm. they knew your work well enough to say, this is a person that I would would hire even though I don't know what she knows about transitional housing and the women that work here they had they'd seen what you've been able to do before and they knew that that could be applied to yeah full-time position and and they really didn't connect that with being like a public health issue to be honest the element of housing I really wasn't clued in about social determinants of health at that point in time Hmm. just to be clear so go back just a little bit um can you talk a little bit more about how the work you did on the local level or was it like the city or state level uh, when you were interning, mm-hmm. how that helped prepare you or made you more effective in your jobs moving forward? Sure. So um, it's interesting because I was working for the DC Department of Health. Um, mm. So it's technically a state health department. Um, mm-hmm. Although we know DC falls in kind of an interesting <laughs> Place, but um, mm-hmm. how did that prepare me moving forward for other jobs um, and roles in the future? Definitely about relationship building, um, for one. Um, communication, I'd say, was the main skill or takeaway that I developed there, mm-hmm. being quick on your feet. Mm-hmm. Every week we were presenting to kids from different schools, different neighborhoods throughout D.C., um, and, you know, we know D.C. to be kind of known as Chocolate City, but it's a developing city and the dynamics Mm -hmm. there are changing but you know many of the schools that we were going to talk to community centers were you know black and brown children um, Mm -hmm. and their families so I had to make sure that you know the public health messages that we were communicating were relevant right you know culturally connecting with them that I was respecting cultural norms Mm -hmm. whatever it was for that community so those are things that I think I I still use in my work today that's interesting that's very interesting okay so here you are you have started your job at this transitional housing facility tell us about that or what happens next yeah so living in a home with um, women of all ages and backgrounds who share a common thread of maintaining um, HIV and AIDS was extremely interesting. I don't think I'd have, I've never lived with anyone personally um, who had HIV. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was eye-opening as a 20-something-year-old kid, um, figuring out not only like just the work world and like having something that's not an internship anymore, but like right. real job Uh having responsibility um but when you get home from work you're still kind of technically on because you're still surrounded by your clients yes Um, i can't you want to build a rapport but not cross the line you don't want to be taken advantage of because you're young and like folks look at me and they already think i'm like 18 (laughs) and so (laughs) back then they still like 12 (laughs) you know so yeah there were a lot of um things that i had to learn you know, standing my ground, um, being able to kind of maintain this really careful personal and professional balance. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, just connecting with people, really learning and listening, like learning people's stories. 
because I think that was the, the most surprising and fascinating piece. Everyone had a story. They were people who were Wall Street bankers who ended up in these um, in these programs. And so, wow. um, listening to people's stories was really key skill, I'd say. That's cool. So tell us how you got, how, how did you bridge the gap from nonprofit life to um, working in the government, working in the um, federal government? Okay, so I'll move ahead quickly then. I oh, no, no, I don't want to push you. Like, I want to, like, tell me what's in between, girl. Take me <laughs> the steps through there. I'm just interested because um, I think that it's very, um, I, I don't want to use the word elusive again, but I think that it is tough for people to make the transition from nonprofit life to work in the federal government or work in the Mm -hmm. private sector um because a lot of the time we're so focused on like first of all we don't even know how to make the transition and then we're so focused on i just want to give to the community i just want to give to the clients and you know we don't think about the other ways that we can give back that don't necessarily have to do with us working right in the community so i'm interested to hear that piece but please take me through Sure. From transitional housing to now. Sure. So the next chapter um, actually was interesting. I uh, was offered an opportunity from uh, a classmate, a colleague from Howard, um, who was a student government leader, um, for an opportunity to be an organizer. Mm-hmm. Didn't really know exactly what that entailed or what that would look like, but I knew that it would mean me having to leave my job. Um, and this was only like a one-year contract, and I was maybe around month seven or eight so I was nearing the end Mm -hmm. but you know when you're new to the workforce you just feel like your number one priority is job security and consistency right Mm -hmm. so when this opportunity came I was like well I trust this individual I'm sure this is a great opportunity it's a once in a lifetime opportunity Um, oh I should mention it was to be an organizer for the um, uh, organizing for America vehicle which is president obama's re-election yes. campaign in 2012 and is that how Ohio. you and lauren met we didn't actually meet that way we oh. met prior to but weren't you both working friend. on the campaign lauren was working on the campaign lauren what city were you in Ohio. were Lauren's you in cincinnati clearly having a snack she's having a snack clearly <laughs> um anyway well, i was so. in dayton okay so you were working on the campaign in different places okay yeah. anyway sorry to distract so so what did you do? I was a full-time staffer working primarily with um, HBCU campuses there. So Ohio has, for those who are not familiar, Ohio has two HBCUs, Wilberforce University, um, mm-hmm. our beta chapter, and mm-hmm. um, Central State University. And so um, I was primarily like organizing those campuses, but other campuses throughout the county. So I was one of the early staff that was hired, oh, and girl. I really so- had like yeah. Go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. You really had what? I've had like nine schools or something like that. I can't even remember now. But tons of schools when I first started. And then like for those who have worked on campaigns, you know, your turf gets split um, smaller and smaller as time goes on and more staff are hired. So, you know, my turf or teams that I managed kind of narrowed down as time went on. So I jumped basically so- from the nonprofit to the campaign. And the way that you were able to do that is through a friend. Yeah, a friend, I guess, referred me and I interviewed. Was this a friend from your public health school? Was this a friend just from life that knew that you were interested in getting into policy? This friend didn't know that I was interested in policy. This friend, honestly, 
with someone that I admired and respected, but we weren't particularly close. This was someone mm-hmm. who'd graduated, I think, a year or two before me mm-hmm. and maybe just knew that, you know, I was someone interested in um, kind of community organizing or at least community issues um, and knew that I was from Ohio. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe that was all that was needed, I guess, as a, a prerequisite. I'm not sure. But That's interesting. Somehow my wow. name came up and I'm grateful Okay, so your relationship with that person, even though it wasn't the closest relationship, they still thought of you. And I'm sure that that has to do with the fact that you are amazing in bomb. And I'm sure that you were everywhere on campus doing all the things. Um, so, <laughs> yes. Yeah, see, your head is dropping because you know that it's true. Um, so, um, sorry, my husband just walked behind me and distracted me. Um, okay. So you're, you're working on the campaign. So that's how you made the jump from the nonprofit world to working on campaigns and, and more in the government sector. So, so then what happens? What's the, how do you get to the feds? Yeah. What's your next step? So a campaign cycle only lasts for a you know a predetermined amount of time. After the election in November, you know you're unemployed essentially. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said, I knew in undergrad that there's no way I could progress in the field without a graduate degree. So right. um, at some point, I took the GRE. I think like senior year, um, and was applying to schools, but I wasn't as driven in the application process in part because my mentors encouraged me to get some work experience. Um, Uh. But while the campaign was happening, I started applying to schools and I actually got accepted to some programs. Um, I remember like the one vacation, literally like the one weekend that we had, Mm -hmm. I went (laughs) to Chicago and I visited uh, one of the schools that I had applied to, um, had, you know, a one-on-one with them because I hadn't heard back from them and so I just yeah that was just such a blur um an invigorating and exciting time but such a blur and so Mm -hmm. I'm trying to you know take the next step in my career but also focus in the moment um but I got accepted to Rollins School of Public Health which is at Emory Mm -hmm. um and I deferred because I wanted to finish out the campaign cycle um, you amazing people and your deferments of these ridiculously exclusive schools. This one over there having snacks and messing with her computer um, deferred yes, yes. Vanderbilt Law School and you defer Rollins School of Public Health, which is like the school of public health. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. That's cool. Now Nonchalant. It a little... A little. <laughs> I mean, if they want you today, they probably want you tomorrow, too. I mean, clearly, they sure enough did. They sure enough did. Um, But I mean, like, that takes a lot to be like, hmm, no, I think I'm going to defer because this is more important to my long-term goals. You are so in it to win it. Like, the campaign will have you doing some crazy things, I'll just say. but And it's also super fun. I mean, it's crazy, but it becomes, like, not a cult, but you get so... (laughs) You enculturated. become so invested into mm-hmm. the your candidate and yes. your community, and a you're you're working it because you really believe in it. I mean, because like they really can't pay you enough to do real like for the real work right. you do for the campaign. Right. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, so you're invested in it, and you want to see it through. Like, and school's gonna be there. So right. I think in the moment. Um, and even looking back, it, it sounds maybe a little like strange, but I think Lauren's point is exactly right. You want to see it through from start to finish. And like I said, this is 
a once in a lifetime opportunity. So cool. Yep. Um, deferred and then had to figure out a next step. So I basically worked in local government for nine months until the next cycle. So, so your campaign in. experience got you the job in local government. Um, in part, I'd say, okay. I think that I had some relationships and I worked in local government in my hometown. Um, so I think I would had some board experience there from high school and stuff. So there were some existing relationships. Oh, I think some the campaign probably could have helped some board experience in high school. What was I doing in high school? Definitely not sitting on anybody's board. I probably just was bored, like doing nothing, <laughs> wasting my life, being bored. But like definitely not on anybody's credit. board. Definitely not. I didn't start to like get serious about my life until like after college. So you prodigies that have had it all together since you've been, you know, infants is is amazing to me. It's, you came it's, out the room ready. <laughs> Yes, just ready to conquer the world. I just, I just, I love it so much. Okay, so we are, um, we're, we're talking about um, how your experience has moved you on. So tell me how, now we have to make the jump from where you just left off until where you are now. So what do you think led you to right before you applied for this um, fellowship? Yeah, I think like the full circle moment kind of came after two years in the program, recognizing that those ideas that I had when I was in high school, holistic health, you know, healing communities, Mm -hmm. those weren't just radical ideas. Those were kind of the core tenets of what public health at its best strives to do. Mm -hmm. Um, Heal communities through prevention, um, you know, cross sector partnerships Mm -hmm. and so I still don't have it all figured out, but I think Please. I'm much closer today than I was then of seeing that, like, I don't have to be a doctor to heal people and to make people, you know, help people to live their healthiest yes. lives. Um, PMF yes. was the vehicle that allowed me to enter into public service. But, you know, had I gone back into the nonprofit sector, you know, taken some other avenue, um, who knows where I might be. But right now, um I feel like I've been able to finally kind of connect empowerment through kind of like my community and um, community organizing mm-hmm. and the public health elements of like social determinants of health. And that's kind of the intersection that I'm moving towards. And that uh, is so yeah. amazing. The best part about what you just said is that you are able to articulate at this point in your career, you're able to articulate what it is that you're looking for in public health. I think that that's often difficult for people. I think it's the same reason why, you know, a lot of us when we're looking for jobs, we can't figure out, somebody says, oh, what do you want to do? And you say, well, you know, I've, I've, I've done program management for a while, or, you know, I've been a policy analyst for a while, but like, what does that mean? What is it about those jobs that it's, is what you want? So like you said, it's the intersection between social determinants of health, um, empowering communities, community organizing that has really driven your interest in public health. Yeah. I love that. And I think that you have given the most succinct description of public health. I always find myself stammering to explain what public health is to people who don't work in the field. But I think that that was um, a great description. So thank you. Oh, I try. 
Thank you. <laughs> okay. Lauren, do you have any questions about or any follow-up about um, Miss Victoria's career story or shall we move on to our segments? I mean, I do, but you became like a public health fangirl this session. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, couldn't get a question in. I really okay. did. No, I dominated because you don't know how. Man, I'm just so thirsty for Victoria. I have been dying to get her onto this podcast. And I am a, I am a public health fangirl. I am. Whenever I see anything that Victoria's involved, I'm like, oh, I've got to go. This must be something great. Because she's a <laughs> Just like I would do for you, I'm Lauren. I'm it up. I'm bottling it up. <laughs> well, luckily, we're recording this. So you can just play this at any time. When you start to feel discouraged, girl, we got it for you. Um, so... If we, if you want to move on to our segments, um, I was supposed to be finding a woman crush Wednesday while you were talking, but I was too engaged. Fangirling, she was fangirling. Yeah, I was, I was, I was really too engaged. What can um, I say? She was like, and what, what, what else, Victoria? <laughs> <laughs> and tell me more. And then you did this. That's amazing. Um, okay, so I do have woman crush Wednesday. This woman crush is somebody that I know personally. Um, she has uh, a, a left field job, but it's um, not a job that we typically talk about. We don't typically talk about um, jobs that are out in uh, that are in like the entertainment field um, or you know fields like that. We talk, speak mostly about like professional jobs or um, uh, entrepreneurs stuff like that. Um, but this week, my woman crush Wednesday, her name is Miss Melanie Ennis. She is um, a beautiful girl. She is a model, actually. Um, she's a plus size model. And she has been modeling for years. And I have been watching her progression um, from, I remember like when she first moved out to Chicago to go to school. And then um, she was majoring, I think, in like journalism. And then when she kind of made her transition to, you know, no, I really want to pursue modeling full time, move to New York. And the fact that she is somebody that I call supernatural. So her, I mean, big, beautiful fro, big bushy eyebrows, like black girl magic all day, every day. Um, beautiful, full body, and she is owning it everywhere she goes. Um, and I recently saw her as I was walking into Target. She is um, in a lot of Target stores right now, right on the front of the door when you walk in. They're everywhere in the exact same place. Um, but her name is Melanie Ennis. I will put her information there. Um, but she's mostly my woman crush Wednesday because... Not only is her job interesting, but I think that she has taken a field that she could have easily been uh, swayed from um, due to, child, name it, Eurocentric beauty standards, um, ridiculous uh, notions of weight. And she has totally turned it on her head and made it work so well for her. And so I'm very proud of her for that. And she is my Woman Crush Wednesday. It is so cool. Um, yes. that's what I needed to just yeah. go to I'm, a, I'm a big fan of that. I recently yes, to listened <laughs> to a, what was it? Was it a podcast or some kind of news story about the really popular um, full body, uh, full size model, Ashley Graham? Is that Yes. Her? Yes, it and is. Like, Beautiful Ashley Graham. Yeah. And I was just like, I, I really enjoyed listening to her story. And so I really like, I really hear and enjoy seeing 
particularly full-size uh, models mm-hmm. gain mm-hmm. the recognition that they deserve. And I don't like referring to it as plus size because like, let's be honest, like who is really that, who is really model size? Like, I, I, They just size. People, they ain't plus, it, they just size. They're like, they're just <laughs> women right. who have a body. Like they're just women with bodies and they look That's good. Cool. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're so. right. That is cool. I do love Ashley Graham. She is incredibly beautiful. I, I love me. Yeah, so Graham. shout out to your girl. Yeah, Melanie, shout out to you. I'm going to put all your social media stuff out there. Girl, you didn't even know I was going to give you a shout out, but you got <laughs> one today. God. You got one today. All right, get my life. Shall we get our lives? Shall we? Shall we? Okay, so let's do a little quick catch up. And then that way, Victoria, you can have a, some time to think about what your get my yes, life please. could be. This is my favorite segment. Well, yeah, yes, favorite. Yes, accountability, except that I'm not accountable to what I said I was gonna do. I'm except, pretty sure my yeah. I'm pretty sure my last um get my life was that I was gonna like child, I don't even remember. Cause I think the one before that was that I was gonna revamp my LinkedIn. Oh, what? this one was this one about um I don't remember what it was about, but I'll give you a quick heads up. Clearly, I didn't do it the last thing that I was supposed to do. Um, and I'm still working on my LinkedIn, but y'all pray for me. I have a plan and a draft. Y'all know I love to plan, but I don't mm-hmm. really have nothing You've done yet. You've been getting your life on this LinkedIn profile for like <laughs> But I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit. It's just not my main priority right now. I've got a few things in the works. Okay. Um, but after August, I should be... <laughs> I should be ready to. <laughs> That's when your life. profile gonna be updated in yeah in, in September because after August like the end. September yeah like the end of August earliest <laughs> possible. All right, um, but anyway, for uh this next week's get my life. <sighs> so you guys, I am hosting a workshop. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm hosting a workshop. Um, and I have been lowering my standards for goals because i'm too afraid to not meet them and today i was able to meet a goal that two days ago i swore i would not meet and that i wasn't ever going to throw another workshop again because it was just too much stress and i didn't want to deal with it ever again and then uh today i met a piece of that goal so i'm going to a tangible goal I am going to um, keep my standards to where they are, not lower them because I am too afraid to reach them. And once we have the workshop, I will let you know what those goals are. But for now, they're secret, a surprise. That's it. That's all I have. Let's hear about your great get my life. No, I was going to say, I support you not allowing fear to limit you or stop you. Thank you. I support it. We talked about I this, that, I think, on episode one. You. We talked about that on episode one when we discussed how we both had entrepreneur, entrepreneurial endeavors yeah. and that sometimes like fear can really stop limit you. the things that we allow ourselves to do. Mm-hmm. So that's mine. Okay, let's move on. I'm sorry, I'm going over our time. Please no, tell me no. about your Get My Life. Okay. So my get my life for the previous two episodes were uh, really uh, diving into my personal investment plan. Oh yeah, and, yeah, 
And it's been something, to be quite honest, it was been a get my life for the last two years. Like I just hadn't, I didn't know where to get the information from. Um, I, it was just so much information out there. I was just like, I don't know what to do. And I don't come from a rich background. So I was like, mm, I, I need my money. I'm trying to keep my money. I ain't trying to do some stupid ish yeah. where I'm gonna lose my money. I felt like the Dave Chappelle, like <laughs> that episode where he had all that money, like, mm, smile. <laughs> I need it. <laughs> right. But so what'd you do? I literally, I was just like, no, I have to find a plan. So I reached out to the resources that I knew. I have uh, some girlfriends who have parents um, who are super into investing. I reached mm-hmm. out to some personal um, invest. What do they call those? Financial advisors. Financial advisors. Talked to some financial advisors. And then I just did a lot of research as to kind of what were some things that I, according to my risk level and my age mm-hmm. and my retirement horizon and the horizon for the investment. What Come are some on, vocabulary. That, okay. Yes, language. Right. What are so some of the things that I should be doing? And I am happy to acknowledge that I have my like retirement, my Roth, and my company, on, my matching Roth, both my personal and the retirement yes. plan that my yes. company has set up. I have those invested in the right portfolios right now that represent my risk level, which should be really high because I'm really young and I won't retire for a while. Right. And I started investing in stocks, um, hey. just like personally, which is something that I think a lot of people have done before, but for people like me and a lot of the people that I know that come from my background, like when you, it's just stocks seem so risky and scary. Um, but yeah. And so I am really pushing through on my plan to decrease my savings to only two months of my expenses and to invest everything else. And that is literally the scariest thing that I can think of because I want to be someone who's like, if I got to quit my job tomorrow, it's nothing. I got the money. I'll be fine because I'm a hoarder of my money. Mm. But now I am doing the smart thing and I'm taking good advice and I'm moving to making that money work for me so that maybe I can retire at 45 instead of 55 or I don't know, or marry rich, but you know, that's that. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But yeah. Or all of the above. Or I'll be above, or I'll be someone, or someone will marry rich into my pockets mm. because I'll be a baller, shot caller, you know? I like that. Whatever person. it is, I just don't want to be old and poor. So I'm excited about that. Lauren, are you guys going to be sharing all these resources? Because I'm just personally interested. Yeah, I can. I actually decided that I was going to write up everything that um, I had all the information that I got and, um, because I figured somebody else like me would come around. So I'm more than happy to share it. I'm more than happy to share some of the resources and apps that I'm personally using. It's not like a, I'm, I'm not fine advising anyone to do what I'm doing per se, sure. but definitely happy to share what I've learned. Um, I'll share my get my life uh, really quick. <laughs> um, so let's see a year ago year and a half ago, I don't know, sometime ago last year, 2016, I think um, I ran my first half. 
Yes, um, I remember that. Rebecca. Woo woo. It was Shout Miami, right? What was that? It was Miami, right? It was Miami, the Miami half. Yep. Um, and so that for me was like major personal milestone. Um, since then, my level of dedication with pushing myself uh, with big races has definitely declined. So my get my life right now is to just to sign up for a 5K and kind of build myself back up um, until I'm ready to I sign support. up for either another half or some other type of challenge, whether it's like a Tough mutter or something. I don't know. But I'm going to start with the Baby Step 5K for now. I support. Yes, 5K. I wish I could join you. Well, I miss us running. Thank you so much, Vicky, for being here. I am so happy. So happy. We love you. You're bomb. Kristen's trying to steal all my good friends. But you know what? You guys are so awesome that I'm happy to Well, thanks for connecting us. You're so sisterly. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We're so happy you joined in. We will make sure we share some of the resources that Victoria talked about. Same thing that we talked about. And our good my life segment. And we look forward to hearing your feedback. Don't forget, write us, email us, send us a message on Facebook, comment. We love hearing from you guys. All right. See you guys next time. Bye.